The Start On Demand. On demand. The Briar starts today. So we first ask the question, is curling the perfect TV sport? Also, we'll get a preview of the tournament itself, the Bondspiel, with host of the CJOB Sports Show, Christian O'Mell. The Assembly of Manitoba Chiefs is condemning the province's plan to push for an indoor smoking ban on First Nations. We'll learn about girls who game, video games being incorporated into the classroom, and the educational benefits of video games. And after talking blizzards on Thursday, today we talked about spring, specifically splashy stories. You ever been splashed by a passing bus or fallen in a puddle? We had some fun talking about that this morning. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Friday, March 5th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, it is Friday, but we start with a follow-up on something that Jeff Braun led with in his newscast, and that has to do with the the loss of Walter Gretzky. Yeah, it's a sad morning, Loren. I know that you were a huge Wayne Gretzky fan yourself. I've been very vocal in my the fact that I was never a fan of Wayne Gretzky, very respectful for what he did, but... We can't argue with the impact that Wayne Gretzky's had on Canada, and you could argue Walter Gretzky is um, is the reason behind that. Yeah, and you might, you know, there might be many that feel like he's kind of Canada's dad, if that makes sense, right? You know, growing up with uh, following Wayne Gretzky's career, you you also knew as much maybe about his family and his brothers and his sister and his mom and his dad and what they did and built the rink in the backyard and all the rest, and you know, they raised the greatest hockey player in the world without all the money that many are now spending to raise some of those similar great hockey players, right? In terms of spring hockey and the thousands of dollars that poured in in 2021 versus, you know, the sixties and seventies. And so it's not just about hockey. I think the statement from Wayne Gretzky last night really tugged at my heartstrings because Wayne said in his statement, quote, for me, he was the reason I fell in love with the game of hockey. He inspired me to be the best. I could not be just in the game of hockey, but in life, we will miss him so much, but know that he's back with our mom, and that brings me and my family peace. He truly was the great one and the proudest Canadian we know. And I think that sums it up for all of us. Man, he was, like, you know, you talk about Mr. Hockey, Gordie Howe, you talk about Mr. Canada, maybe that's Walter Gretzky. He was a champion of the game, champion of this country, and I just think that kind of dad that many parents aspire to be. Yeah, you know, my love for hockey transcends the game and and the things and the relationships around it and, and the time spent with my dad and the time spent with my brothers and friends, friendships made. And so when you think about those memories, some of the great memories that you have, and <laughs> some of them are not the best memories, but they involve Wayne Gretzky. And when you read up on Walter Gretzky and you mention that backyard rink, it was a little bit of self-preservation, Walter always said, in terms of building that rink. He didn't want to go and freeze anywhere <laughs> at an outdoor rink somewhere else, somewhere where he couldn't uh, stay warm. And so he built the rink at the house, and he was always advocating for Wayne to to play with better players. He would recruit kids to come 
kids that were bigger than Wayne to come and play at the house in the backyard rink. And by the time Wayne was six or seven, he was playing with 10-year-olds. And that was all because uh, Walter wanted him to play with larger, stronger, faster players. So uh, Canada mourning the loss of, of Wally, as he was known to so many people in this country. A question that was raised in recent days on the start, because today is the first day of the briar, Greg, and you asked the question, is curling the perfect sport for television? Uh, I, now, I'm going to start this by saying there aren't too many sports that I will not watch on television, and I think uh, sports television has become so good over the last couple of decades, in particular with the advent of uh, 4K technology and the cameras and the microphones and the ability to get up and close and personal with the players. But I think you could argue that there is no better sport for that than curling. You know, Loren, I think you mentioned it when we discussed this last week or the week before, the notion that the players are all mic'd. The skips, at the very least, are mic'd, and those mics are open at all time. There's so much time in between the shots, and so that ability, something that you don't get to see. You never get to hear Paul Maurice whisper into Blake Wheeler's ear what advice he's giving him about the upcoming shifter. Man, would that be sweet, though? It would be fantastic, (laughs) but in curling, it actually happens. You can hear when they call a timeout and the coaches come down, well, what do you think we should do here? Yeah, but if we do this, she's going to do that, or he's going to come down this way, and there's no other sport where you live at the moment on the time of, or at the time of action, are you hearing that interaction live on the air. Usually it's in retrospect you get that insider's look, and I think that's that's incredible. And the scale of everything. Everything's so square or rectangular or round, and everything just fits nicely. It just looks so good on the screen, all the different uh, colors and everything. I don't know. I just, um, I just don't think you get an intimate look at any sport uh, better than you do when you're watching curling. Yeah, so this is a hard one because I love the pace of hockey and I love watching that and the excitement that can come and just even, you know, when we listen to the games on CGOB and the the way the play-by-play can really draw you in, but it's going so fast. And then so part of me would also pick football as one of the great games to watch because there's that time, there's that breathing room where you can set up the play and see what's coming and what are they going to do? I would do this if this was this was me and and so you have that chance to analyze the game and then you pause again after say the the defense goes out and so it's a bit slower moving in in that respect and so that's what I think appeals to me about curling because there's the time to digest what's going on Uh, and it kind of makes me think guys I don't know about you but I love when the winter Olympics roll around every four years I'll sit and watch that for two solid weeks and I don't care what this I will be a biathlon expert by the end of the day (laughs) and then I'm like a ski jump expert because again you just I think it's curling has that thing where you're invested just you know it's only 10 days oh it's a really good point right and so you have that time you're like i can get i'm going all in i'm going all in on these 10 days and then my curling might be done for a few months until the next major event there's lots of curling going on at all times but it might be more of just that brief snapshot that you get to say i don't feel guilty that i'm watching a game every other night 
I'm just watching it for 12 nights in a row, and then I'm going to sleep it off for a couple months. That's a really good point because that's part of the reason why I actually stopped watching sports. I used to when I was a teenager. I was a big sports fan. I've mentioned basketball was my primary, but I used to watch football with my dad all day long on Sunday. We'd get up and we'd watch the uh, NFL countdown on ESPN, and then we'd watch the games, and then we'd watch prime time. So, but it, that was a major co- a commitment. And with basketball, it didn't matter who was playing. If there was a game on television, I was watching it. And then you'd get to the end, and I would watch Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls defeat whoever was That's the other right. team. Yes, and I did. was always cheering against the Chicago Bulls. So <laughs> I, I, I thought, I'm putting so much time and effort. It's such a major commitment. I can't do this anymore and put all this energy into something to just see it end in disappointment every year. So I just gave up. I just walked away. (laughs) Well, just like the Blue Bombers winning and the Jets winning put a spring in my step, it probably takes three springs out of my step if there's such a thing when they lose. And so, yeah, there is so much emotion involved. And I want to tie a golf thing into this as well. Curtis just said, uh, how about this? You know, you can hear golfers and caddies discussing the strategy a little bit on the television which is one of the things i love about watching golf on tv and the other thing that makes golf i think so watchable and relatable for people you know my wife used to say why do you watch that it's because you know what at some point if i play golf this week i'm going to be in a similar situation and Mm -hmm. i can at least imagine attempting that shot and if you watch curling and if you play and if you've played the game Just about every shot, you can imagine going, well, what would I do in a situation like that? So from that perspective, golf and curling are equally as good in terms of being an engaging sport on television. That's how I feel when I watch the biathlon. Next time I'm out with my gun and I'm cross-country skiing across the field, what shot am I going to take? How am I going to control my breathing, guys? How do I make it so the gun doesn't shake? How am I going to get up that hill fast enough? This is how I feel when I watch You have just made a tremendous (laughs) argument for why we need a track at all times, a Loren McNabb app, because if you are... Cross-country skiing with a rifle on your back. I want to know where you are at all times. I'm not joking. I I watched this event at the Olympics. I had the opportunity to be at the 2010 Games. And I'm like halfway through watching the biathlon, screaming at some Norwegian. And I have no clue what's happening. I'm like, get it. Come on. What is the matter with you? Mackling McGarry McNabb, that's right, 11 degrees on Sunday. Normal high for this time of year is minus four. So that actually had some restaurant owners talking about maybe opening patios. That was the inspiration for our question of the day. Yesterday at cjob.com, brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. If patios open for the weekend before it cools off again, would you go to one? 36% uh, at cjob.com said no, still too cold. 35% said no, not ready for that yet. 24% said yes, if no household rule. And uh, 5% said yes with household only. Similar result. I think actually the result, pardon me, was a little bit different on Twitter. You can still find that poll and you can still cast your vote at cjob.com. But after talking blizzards yesterday in honor of the 55th anniversary of the 1966 blizzard, today we want to switch gears and look to spring and talk about splashes. You ever been splashed, soaked by a bus? Or maybe you've fallen in a puddle? Okay, we'll start with you, Forte, (laughs) in a second. Text us a story 
about getting splashed at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win two tickets for the Zoo Lights Festival at Assiniboine Park Zoo. But Forte, what's your story? Oh, last week on Monday, last was week? it? Was it Monday? Oh, no. Yeah, I was walking down the sidewalk on Henderson Highway, you know, listening to my jams, you know, grooving out. <laughs> <laughs> Just walking down the street and all of a sudden the bus comes from behind me and so I don't see it coming and splash and it got didn't get me fully, but I got my legs, and it's dirty, dirty water, so my, my pants were, uh, my, my pants were wet. They were wet pants. And were you mad? Uh, kind of, yeah, but, like, I can't really blame the bus, because it has to stay in the curb lane. Yes. And then yesterday, I'm walking down Henderson. This time, I saw the bus coming, but there's so many puddles everywhere, I just braced for it. But it wasn't a splash, it was the mist. It was the dirty <laughs> mist that comes after oh. the bus, and just covered me. My condolences. I don't know why that makes me laugh. I, 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 did you just shower in your clothing when you got home after that? No, but I stripped down, put something else on. I saw somebody get soaked one time like that, and he he was he was he was fist shaking at the guy, just yelling at him as we were driving. I just drove away, of course. Like, what are you gonna do? Yeah. yeah. Uh, what about you, Poitras? Uh, yeah, the worst booter of my life. I was uh, well, six years old. I was over at my buddy Luke's place. Uh, we were playing in the backyard. And uh, I remember I was wearing my rubber boots, and I took one step, and uh, the, my foot sank all the way up to basically halfway up my shin. And then I took my other boot, and I tried to get out, and then I uh, filled that the other one up. Uh, and so I had soaked socks. I must have been six years old or something like that. But I, I got the, the the dreaded double booter, and uh, and it was a go home booter. I had to go home. My 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 pants were soaked. My soak, my my socks <laughs> were soaked. It was a go home booter, and I had to walk home. Just my grandparents lived just a, a couple houses down, so but I, I had to ho- I had to go home. It was I'd, it was horrible. I don't want to open this whole conversation about the difference between a soaker and a booter, but that sounds like a soaker. Why? Oh, no. What's the difference? A between booter. Them? A booter is with snow. Is when your boots no. get filled with snow. No, the same thing. No, a booter's just when you you get water in your shoe. Right? Uh-huh. Snow or water. No, they're the what same you, thing. You're from Ontario. I've you never heard get... anyone ever say soaker in my life. I've only ever heard them referred to as booters. All right. I, Central okay. Canadian. We have had. <laughs> <laughs> we, let's so not let, let's not go down this road. We have had this conversation before, and you can feel free to weigh in on that on the side at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Because I actually want to know uh, if there's something to that. I've, I've started the Google foo in the meantime, as I'm sure Loren has as well. Uh, Jeff Braun, what about you? Oh, I got a story about a mutter, but we'll save that for a different time. Uh, <laughs> My mother was a mutter. I was her the soaker was in this one situation. I was, I was a teenager just cruising around Altona, and it was must have been a spring day or we'd had a heavy rain. Water all over, all through the gutters there. I saw a buddy of mine driving his bike on the sidewalk like a moron, and I thought, ooh, I can get him. And I came up behind him, and I put both <laughs> tires in the gutter, and I went the same speed as him for about half a block just drenching him in water the whole time it must have about 10 seconds before he finally just you know hit the brakes and stopped and i kept going but he he was the wettest person i've ever seen that wasn't in a pool at the time and he was he was really mad too I i think he was like on his way to his piano lesson or something like that and i just ruined his day but it was a lot of fun uh, greg i'm just seeing here the a couple of things that say that are pointing to a booter replying to puddle Really? And they, well, one says booter is a puddle or a snowbank. Okay. But in Ontario, they call the puddle a soaker. 
Okay, so maybe I'm wrong. maybe I'm secretly from <laughs> Ontario. I, I don't know, but it just makes sense to me that you know water soak. Snow, booter. Anyway, um, you mentioned uh, cycling. And is, was there anything worse than when you wore, were wearing nice, clean clothes and you'd gone out for a bike ride and that nice splash line straight down your spine would get on your nice white T-shirt or similar? There was nothing worse than that. Well, I, I did that with gum, though. I had gum that got onto my back tire and went all the way up my back. Oh, my God. <laughs> the worst thing ever. Yeah, I was a kid. I was, uh, I think I cried, actually. Oh, man. Poor Jeff Forche. But the story that comes to mind when we talk about uh, splashing, I was very eager to get to work one Friday morning and was in the curb lane, going to park on the street, and I saw at the last moment this giant puddle and two ladies walking down the street, and I thought, oh, no, I know exactly where this is going. I did my best to avoid it, but sure enough, I splashed them. I gave them, you know, the scrunched face and the wave and the, oh, I'm so sorry, look. That was not good enough. I could tell this one. The, one of the two ladies was furious. I got out. I said, I'm so sorry. How sorry exactly are you? She asked me. She said, how about some money for some dry cleaning? I said, okay. So I went into my wallet. All I had was a $5 bill. I said, all I have is $5. She grabbed it out of my hand. She goes, I'll take it. And with that, she was gone out of my life as quickly as she entered it. That, that's that's when you say all day walking up and down that street wearing fancy clothes trying to get dry cleaning money out of people. To I may scam have been Greg scammed. And you fell for it. <laughs> that's where you go back into your car and you say, oh, yeah, I'll just go grab my wallet. It's in my glove compartment. And then you take off. <laughs> and you splash him again as you're driving away. Oh, you guys are just cruel. Loren, what's your story? It happened just a few months ago. And so, you know, it was a really nice fall into the winter. And I was doing a lot of walking. And I walked to the grocery store uh, in my had my runners going. And I thought, I'll just cut through this ditch. And so I, I don't know why now at my age I feel like I'm still an eight-year-old, maybe because I'm raising two young boys. But I thought I'd leap over what was the water in the ditch and, of course, landed right in the middle. And I was soaked with water up to my knees. And it's stinky, gross water, like, you know, when it's been sitting in the grass for months on end. And I was like, well, I'm at the grocery store now. I might as well go in. But then I get into the grocery store, and I'm the girl walking around with, like, that, oh, what does that sound? You know, like, like just a weird, squishy, stinky sound. And then someone comes up to me and looks at me and kind of gives me the once over because I have, like, uh, mud and whatever stuck to my legs. And so I just called my husband and said, can you come pick me up? And he's like, why? I was like, I'll explain later. And he didn't know what, I think he thought I had like robbed a bank or something. I was reeling into the parking lot, but I was like, no, I just stink and I'm wet and I'm making noises and I'll just, I'll come back later. So just wet stuff's gross. You just want to get out of it immediately. Uh, for me, it was, uh, ooh, this, I guess this is almost 20 years ago when I, the first time I ever went downhill skiing, it was at the one that's closed now, Agassiz, Greg? Yep. Uh, that's in the Riding Mountain area. And I, like I said, never been downhill skiing. It was the last day of the season. So the snow was basically ice when we first started. And then by the end of the day, it was slush. And at the bottom of the hill, what a, a massive puddle had formed as the snow was melting. And I saw some people like skiing all the way through the puddle. And for some reason, I guess I figured, well, I've, this, you know, I've got this now. I've got enough expertise that I can uh, get through it. Of course, I fell. I, I made it halfway through the puddle and just went straight into this puddle, completely soaked. I had this down parka that was drenched, so I was miserable for the entire ride home. So I don't recommend doing that, especially your first time ever downhill skiing.
We start this hour with a possible court challenge that is brewing after the province revealed it's going to try to extend its ban on smoking in indoor public places to First Nations. This is one of many bills we told you that the provincial conservatives were going to introduce this week. Although just days ago it wasn't clear what was in most of them. Now we know one of them is calling for changes to legislation that currently is exempt or exempts First Nation communities and other areas under federal jurisdiction like military bases from the provincial smoking ban. The goal of this ban or this proposed ban is to reduce the health effects of smoking and, of course, to reduce the health effects of uh, secondhand smoke. But it doesn't seem the province might even have the right to do this. The Assembly of Manitoba Chiefs doesn't think that they have this jurisdiction and it's not only condemning the announcement, it's considering taking the province to court. Grand Chief Arlen Dumas joins us now. Good morning, Grand Chief. Good morning. Thanks for taking the time and apologies for the technical delays there, but let's just get to this. First of all, your immediate reaction with this announcement. Uh, It's very disappointing and it's very disingenuous. If the issue is truly a health matter, then there would have been proper consultation. There would have been conversations. In fact, there was uh, an opportunity to have some conversations to this effect a year ago, but the province uh, decided that they didn't want to have that discussion and, and just moved ahead. Uh, if it was really a health issue, we would have done what we did with the with the with the pandemic and the uh, rollout of the vaccination. There was conversations, there was active involvement, there was an effort to work collaboratively to do what was best for everybody in Manitoba. So, how will you fight this? Well, well, well we 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 sent out our message that we're very disappointed, you know, and uh, and again, we haven't heard from the province. Uh, normally you'd think they'd respond immediately. Uh, so I, I, I take that as an affront to uh, the relationship that we're trying to work toward. And then we'll, we'll pursue all, all avenues that, that are available because it really is a jurisdictional issue. It's not about health. It's not about smoking. It's, a, it's an overstep of the province, and, and they know it. And it's, it's calculated, and it's really unfortunate. Grand Chief, uh, the timing seems odd. You mentioned the pandemic. It seems like a strange time to to potentially pick a fight on this. Is this more about the province's, province's right to do this? And I'll, I'll add into this, what do you say to people who go, come on, uh, come on, Grand Chief, it's time for you to take a look at this and to put in a, a, a smoking ban in, in these places where uh, the public gathers? Well, I'd, I'd be happy to actually show show uh, our, our our friends and allies that many of our communities have been very proactive, and many have actually instituted smoking bans uh, for decades now, depending on which community. And that it and it is an it is if it was uh, purely a health issue, then like I said, there would have been a conversation. Uh, in fact, many of the communities have already uh, taken steps to to address this this issue themselves, but. If the province would have bothered to actually have a conversation with people, they would have known these things. I don't know if you heard in the news run just at the top of the hour, Grand Chief, there was a, a clip from Wab Canoe, of course, the opposition leader, leader of the NDP, talking about it might be also a, a revenue concern for some communities. Is that part of the issue here at all? Uh, no, no, it's not, because I, uh, they're, they're, the communities are more than capable of, of looking out for themselves and, and smoke... Um, you know, cigarette sales and whatnot are 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 significant and important. Um, but the the main issue for us is the jurisdictional 
the jurisdictional challenge or jurisdictional overstepping of the province and we can't we can't have that why do you think there's this lack of communication in certain circumstances does it feel disrespectful or is that too calm of a word for you grand no, chief I, it is, it, no sorry it is it is disrespectful and uh, they know that it's a contentious issue and they're not willing to have a conversation you know if if it was truly if it was truly a health issue, then let's sit down and let's talk about it. And and uh, there's a, an outstanding list of, of uh, issues regarding this uh, uh, smoking ban that, that need to be discussed. But instead of having the uncomfortable conversations and eventually a, a negotiation of some sort, uh, they'd rather not have that uh, and try and... Uh, impose their will through through their legislative legislative means. And we know this isn't the first time the province has tried something like this. Did they not attempt this back in the summer under public health orders for the province? Yeah, yeah, they did. And if and they knew it wouldn't stick. So what they ended up doing was they 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 uh uh imposed a, a very uh uh strong armed approach by uh, forcing communities, well, if you don't agree with these changes we want to do, then you're not going to be able to turn on your VLTs. So it's very, very heavy-handed. It is very uh, um, uh, disrespectful. Before we let you go, just we have 30 seconds, Grand Chief. Has this been done anywhere else that you know of? Is Are there provinces where the, they're working better with the First Nations on the smoking issue, or does it really come down to what the communities decide and or what the federal government uh, dictates when it comes to smoking on First Nations? I, I think that there's many examples across the country where, where there's a collaboration to do things in a, in a meaningful way that anything's possible. And again, I'll use the pandemic rollout of the vaccine as an example. Despite what the Premier was doing and having his, his beef with the federal government on the ground where it mattered, the, the meaningful work was happening so that we could actually do uh, unprecedented things like rolling out a vaccine in two weeks to every single First Nations community in the province. If we can do that in that case, why can't we do that with smoking? Grand Chief Arlen Dumas joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you so much for the time. Much appreciated, sir. Thank you. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Mackling McGarry and McNabb, I think it is safe to say that video games have been the bane of parents' existence since the invention of the home video game console more than four decades ago. It's not all bad, but five more minutes or my game's <laughs> almost over, Dad, or familiar refrain in my house. These games, whether played on gaming systems, on a desktop or laptop computer, or on your handheld device are... Immersive, let's be honest about it. They're exciting and for many of us, very difficult to put down or walk away from. So when we heard about a program at Archwood School, which encourages students to get even more involved in video games, of course we had to learn more. The program is called Girls Who Game. Hello, we are YWG9 and this is our Girls Who Game Eater of the Future. We have nine girls on our team. Gabby. Lily. Audrey. Vika. Tegan. Riandra. Mariah. Flada. And Rosie. Most of us are in grade 8. We have a couple in grade 7. And a couple in grade 6. 
We are from Archwood School in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and our team name came from the call letters for our airport and the number of girls on our team. Our mission through the Girls Who Game program was to design and build an eatery of the future that would take on two issues of the United Nations Decade of Action Challenge. Number two, zero hunger, and number six, clean water and sanitation. Very cool gaming and with a purpose there, with a cause. Our guest is a teacher at Archwood School, and she is also the founder of the Middle Years Esports Manitoba, the Canadian Middle School Esport Association, and a member of the Microsoft Innovative Education Expert Program. And so we want to wish good morning to Melissa Burns. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for taking the time. Quick question first, how long has this Girls Who Game program been running? Uh, we started it in October, and the first round of the program ran until the end of January. So they only had a couple of months to actually put together their whole project. So why did you think it was important to, to get this kind of thing going, particularly with the concept of girls who game, Melissa? Uh, well, when you look at the industry itself, when you look at STEM jobs, so jobs in science, technology, engineering, mathematics, only about 30% of the jobs in the field are actually taken up by women in that space. And so we want to find opportunities for girls to actually experience it at a younger age in a safe space so that they can look at this as a potential career option for them. So we played a minute of audio. It was uh, from a presentation that the team created as part of the GWG Culminating Challenge. How did that go? It was fantastic. It was a huge undertaking. And quite frankly, when we started the program, we really had no idea what we were in for. Uh, we kind of, I was looking around and found the project and I was like, do you guys want to give this a try? And they said, sure. And we jumped in. And uh, after several months of really intense research and building, they had to put together almost like a Dragon's Den kind of business pitch that was going to be uh, judged by over 50 industry professionals from Microsoft, Dell, and Intel. And they were going to be graded on a, mu- a number of different um, criteria that were set for them. And they ended up coming out uh, second place overall in the Builds Challenge. And then in their one-day event where they had a, a faster-paced esports event, uh, we came in first place against all the teams across North America. How, how fantastic is that? I'm smiling <laughs> ear to ear here, Melissa. And if you teach as enthusiastically as you are engaging with us this morning, these are very lucky young ladies indeed to be in your class. Uh, I know in, in one of my uh, boys' classes, they, they will play Minecraft in order to get a better vision and allow them to maybe make uh, larger world issues more relatable. Just talk about how video games, Minecraft in particular, is capable of doing that. Oh, and the the possibilities are endless. It's fantastic because it really allows these students to conceptualize and physically create something because you can actually get these things printed in 3D printers, things that you've made in Minecraft you can print. Um, But it allows them to really conceptualize and and make it more tangible, these really difficult topics. So for this project, they were asked to design an eatery of the future, so a restaurant, what have you, um, that would specifically address the issues um, from the United Nations Decade of Action Challenge. They were supposed to address zero hunger and also clean water and sanitation. So they had to do tons of research into where our food comes from. What kind of impact does it have on our environment when we're shipping in avocados to Winnipeg? Um, And how do we reduce our water waste? And what does that actually look like? So they had to research buildings um, that are doing a good job, research buildings that are doing a poor job of this, but then also address some really deep social issues. Like, where do we place this restaurant? 
who gets to eat here? What kind of price points are we looking at? And how do we make this equitable and accessible for everyone while addressing those sustainability issues? Such an educational component to it that I don't know if I had thought of before, Melissa. And obviously your kids were engaged, the students were engaged based on the results you saw in these competitions. I'm curious what the parents had to say, because I think there's many, and and I might even be one of them, who just really is still stuck in that mindset that the gaming is a pastime, that the gaming might even be, dare I say, you know, this waste of time where we're annoyed that they're down in the basement doing these things without thinking about the possibilities that come with it. Well, of course. And that is definitely something that I've tackled many, many times over my years of doing and incorporating games into education. But something that research has shown us is that people learn better and faster and more efficiently when they're having fun. And so this really allows us to tap into that. And the interesting thing, uh, because I have been running like more traditional esports programs at my school for five years now, that I actually haven't had any pushback from parents. I do get a lot of pushback from teachers who are skeptical of it and sometimes not my administrator but some administrators are a little wary of it but for the most part I've had an outstanding response from parents who think why didn't we have this when I was in school and it's really encouraging to hear that. Melissa Burns is a teacher at Archwood School, founder of Middle Years Esports Manitoba, the Canadian Middle School Esport Association, and a member of the Microsoft Innovative Education Expert Program. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us. Very much appreciated. Thank you so much for having me. Make sure you cast your vote at cjob.com on our question of the day, which is brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. Yesterday's question has to do with patios. It carried through the afternoon. So we need a new question this morning. Hint, hint, Greg. We need a new question of the day. If you could please help the daily routine of Brett chasing after Greg and Loren. Can you please help me with the question of the day? What do you mean? You can't think of one on your own? <laughs> Are so, you not an independent thinker, Brett? <laughs> so we'll get a new question up uh, for you soon at cjob.com. But since the, we're going to do the sounds of the game in a moment, uh, we're going to carry on with the theme of hockey as we learn some very sad hockey news yesterday as it pertains to perhaps the greatest hockey player of all time. Yeah, Walter Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky's father, the uh, OG of the ODR, I like to think of him as the original outdoor rink, the backyard rink, which uh, grew the greatest hockey player of all time and the wisdom and the time that Wayne Gretzky uh, spent with his dad on that rink, it's legendary. And it's to the point where one of the most famous quotes attached to Wayne Gretzky. It's quoted all over boardrooms, all around the world, all around North America for sure. Isn't even Wayne Gretzky's quote. It's his dad's quote. And the quote has to do with the puck and going to where the puck is going to be, not to where it has been. And I think a lot of us have heard that saying either as a hockey player or in business, just that having that vision of seeing where things are going to be and being able to be there. One of the attributes that Wayne Gretzky has been heralded for forever since he started coming onto the scene as a 16-year-old as a part of Team Canada at the World Junior Hockey Championships in Montreal, just as a, a vision and his ability that, that people always suggested he could see things two steps ahead. And that's where that came from, just that notion of 
calculating, okay, the puck's there, what's going on, and where is it most likely to be next? And that was the way Wayne Gretzky played hockey. And he also revolutionized the game playing behind the net. Did you ever hear this term, Brett? That's Gretzky's office? Yep. Behind the net, right? So when he played his last game, even for the New York Rangers, they put the 99 right behind the net. They painted it into the ice because that's Gretzky's office. And I've often wondered... Because your ODR, your your rink in your backyard is so small, if you put that net against that one end of the boards, obviously you can shoot all you want. But if you want to skate around the rink, or pardon me, around the net, it really cuts down on the size of the rink in your backyard. I wonder if that's why Wayne Gretzky got so comfortable with the notion of playing behind the goal. That's interesting. I've always wondered that, and now, well, I guess uh, maybe one day I'll get to ask Wayne that. We want to quickly revisit the conversation on video games and computers, courtesy of a text from Lori, Greg. Yeah, Lori says, good morning. Our daughter chose to keep her five-year-old home from kindergarten. We, the grandparents, worried. He played video games every day, and without any parental teaching, our grandson now reads books and does math all from the video games. It has been stunning. He disliked the homework sent from the school saying it was boring. Who knew video games would teach him more than anything or anyone else could? Truly amazing. This from Lori, who uh, is a grandma and is part of the everyday life of her grandson. So that's a different perspective on it. So the question of the day at cjob.com brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. Today we heard from a teacher, just at uh, 7.50, we heard from a teacher who incorporates video games into education. You can listen to that, by the way, in the audio vault at cjob.com. Do you think video games have educational value, either for you or your kids? Three options. Yes, Focus, problem solving, perseverance, and many more. Uh, yes, if they don't play too much, uh, or no, waste of time and brain cells. So cast your vote at cjob.com. Greg, what do you think? I know you. I know your boys. <laughs> and I love. By the way, I just want to say I love whenever you impersonate your boys. It's always this. I'm dead. Five more minutes, dead. Well, that's sort of how they sound to me. I know that's not how they sound in real life, but one of my sons is a real mumbler, and he kind of talks down here. And they both have deep voices, and they're and they're both almost six feet tall already, and so they've got they've got good. They've got good resonance in their in their voice, so and, and they're kind of slow in the way they kind of come across. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I do like to give them credit where credit is due. We're planning a little bit of a building project in our backyard this summer, and uh, bless Jackie, but for the life of her, blueprints and one-dimensional plans or even drawings, uh, you know, a sketch, don't really work for her imagination to even conceive what something's going to look like. So uh, a few months ago, I went to Brendan and I said, hey, B, can you do me a favor? I said, I know you work in this magic Lego 3D program on your computer. Can we turn these blueprints, very rough blueprints into a 3D model? He said, oh yeah, easy. 
no problem. So we worked together for uh, probably a couple of hours with scale and color and whatnot. And now we have this beautiful 3D image and concept of what we'd like to build. It's a freestanding sunroom in our backyard. And Jackie looks at it now. She goes, okay, now I know what it looks like. And he did it without any problem whatsoever. Oh, do you want to, what do you want to do with this? You'd stretch it out. Uh, how big is that window? Very, very precise in the measurements. It, it was just absolutely blew me away. And uh, at 14, they're, they're figuring out that cross benefit between the thing that they love to do and the practical world and, and what it might bring for them in terms of a career or just a hobby or pure interest. Wow. You can't see me right now, but just to take you behind the curtain, we we have I can see Greg on a monitor. He's in a different room, but I've got the window behind me, so <laughs> you're <laughs> just a dark shadow. I am completely in shadow, so you can't see the the jaw drop look that I have on my face. To for your kid to be able to just say, "Yeah, no problem." If you were to present me with that, I would just say, "Well, you might as well just." just shoot me because I wouldn't know where to even begin with well, how to do that on a computer. And I think we see that generational divide in our industry sometimes with these young whippersnappers coming yeah. in now right out of college. And I see it even between you and I. You are much more fluent and much more quick with the social media and the creativity and the ability to get it out quickly. And even within some of the computer programs that we have to work with here at work, I am by far the slowest on the uptake of it. But then you have the people that are almost half your age, Brett, that start working here at the radio station, and their ability to simply get the job done digitally is unbelievable. And I think we have to really take a second look at this hate we have for screen time and say there might be some real benefits. Take some time, sit with your kids, find out what they're doing. I'm not saying you're not doing it, but if you're not doing it, maybe do that. With the social media, I should, uh, I was once upon a time dating a younger woman she was 30 when i was 40 and uh, 41 and uh i she basically taught me everything i know about social media I either either st outright stole stuff like techniques from her or she i was always saying how do you do this how do you do that what's a hashtag i don't understand and uh thanks to her tutelage now i kind of get the social medias but i still haven't even bothered to learn about the tiktoks well, if it, we, this was an episode of Law and Order, I would simply say, I rest my case. <laughs> Mackling McGarry McNabb, just got to quickly mention this. We were talking to Amanda Sobey about World Lymphedema Day, which is tomorrow. And tomorrow at the legislative building at 7 o'clock, it's going to be lit up in teal for World Lymphedema Day. So she is inviting anybody who wants to go check that out uh, to go see the legislature lit in teal. But in the meantime, it's Friday morning, 9.05. Well, it's 9.07 now. <laughs> but at this time, this is where we have our weekly Gab with Gabby, Gabrielle Marchand, Global News Morning host. Good morning, Gabby. Good morning, team. Happy Friday. So... As we like to do, we kind of like to recap the week, some of the fun topics that we had. And we one of the topics we had was non-injury injuries, like a paper cut or a stubbed toe. Paper really, cuts are really bad ugh, in, the, in the age of the hand sanitizer. It's terrible. Not fun. But we also spun that to ask a second question. Have you ever badly 
hurt yourself in kind of a dumb way. I understand there's the social media phenomenon involving pasta or something that left you with first degree burns. Well, it's all about feta, and I love feta. Everybody and their cousin. Salt. Salt. It's just the salty deliciousness. Oh, yes. So salty. Yeah. And everybody and their cousin is making this recipe on social media where you bake feta with some olive oil, maybe add a little bit of spice, some chili flakes. You cut up baby tomatoes, and it all meshes into this creamy deliciousness, and you throw your pasta in there. And I decided to try it. And Lauren, I'll say my hairdresser told me to add extra salt. And I had the shaker poured onto it. I tried to scoop some of the salt off. So one, it was horribly salty because I added way too much extra salt to salty feta. And I didn't have the proper baking dish that I wanted. Um, so I decided to throw almost like a cast iron pan in the oven. But it wasn't a cast iron pan. And it had a stainless steel handle. So I pull it out. I put it on the stove, and then I have the memory of a squirrel. I forgot immediately it was hot, and I grabbed it with my hand and ended up with, I mean, the least severe burns you can get, I guess, first-degree burns, but it hurt. I had to ice it. I had to drink that night. <laughs> had to. You know, what? feta injury. Feta injury. When you first wrote back, it was Brett, you know, just gave you the rundown of what, what we could talk about this morning, and you said first-degree burns from feta cheese injuries i honestly imagine the tomato being so hot those cherry tomatoes pop right when you bite into them i was just thinking you burned yourself from like the tomato like a like an exploding tomato incident see so this no it was this a thousand percent my fault reason. it was oh, my okay. fault all, all self-inflicted unfortunately but you're right those tomatoes they do get quite hot well loren you like the bacon uh, how do you, do, what is your preferred method of cooking? Do you bake it or do you fry it? Ooh. So I now put it in the oven when possible for, just because I actually like it better that way. But I also, when I was right around, I was in grade nine, I think, guys, speaking of burns, and I was came home and I don't know why I was making myself a BLT and I went to go drain the bacon fat in the sink and spilt the entire frying pan oh. of grease over my right thigh. And it bubbled right up, like, no. you know, just as a full burn. And honestly, right up until I was probably 25 or so, there was just two huge purpley scars that have since faded. But it was a bad, bad burn. Like, no kidding. Scarring, yeah. it I'm not trying like... to, like, you know, one-up the let's one-up this burn conversation. My burn but... is worse than your burn. Yeah, <laughs> but it is. And bacon's delicious and also su- salty, though. So I'm bringing it back around to the feta, Brett. I, okay, that went. That I did not expect it to go that full circle. Like I, I was just gonna say, like, like you know, when the bacon bubbles and kind of yeah. splashes. Like Greg, you probably experienced that too. Cooking bacon on the frying pan, you, sometimes you gotta the, the errant bacon pops. Well, I'm just back up in my chair. I passed out uh, from from just listening to the pain involved. Yes, the crackling bacon and and whatnot. Yes, it's something. It's a rite of passage, I suppose, when you make breakfast that you you have to fight the the splattering bacon in order to you know to get it just right. But um, oh my gosh, Loren, you, have you ever shared that story before? I can't remember. I just thought of it. And I remember even the pair of jeans I w- tried to wear the next day to school. The blisters oh. uh, soaked oh. right through the jeans. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. It was like this red pair of jeans. I had this great outfit on. I was like, I think I was turning 15 or something. It was all about the B-Day. And so I wasn't going to let bacon get in the way of the B-Day. But it hurt for well, quite some time. You know what the, What I'm taking away from this, Loren and Gabby, based on your misadventures, is... 
I'm just I should just keep going with takeout because cooking is apparently a nightmare. It's very dangerous. Well, the other thing I thought of when I was thinking that this was an exploding tomato story and then we segue to bacon splattering was those cheese dogs you can get. You know how they have like the fake cheese inside? Oh, yeah. oh and they ooze. But when the cheese pops out, that's an injury. Like I've been bur- <laughs> I've had burns on my face from like, like a cheese burn. <laughs> I love that when you make bacon that you just smell like bacon for the next two days. Like sometimes oh, yeah. I'll just like be smelling my hair like mm, bacon. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it permeates weird. your whole like if my if I make bacon in my apartment, I have to be prepared to live with that smell for the next two to three days. Like I can smell it as I get out of the elevator and then I feel bad for my neighbors because they might not want bacon invading their home. Greg, I still have clothes that smell like chichis. I'm sure of it. Get out. <laughs> the smells of the restaurants, the way they would get into your clothes clothes and your shoes and your gym bag and I can still smell it so I might as well still have clothes that smell like GG's. I don't literally own them anymore. What's that? It's like it's a whole other chat we've created. Now we're going to segue into have you ever worked at a canteen shift at the arena? (laughs) You don't bring your coat in there man. You don't do it. Okay? Because your coat will stink like the deep fryer or whatever you're using to cook up for the kids that day. And so you got to wear, it's like you're going painting. You wear your old clothes to the canteen because you're not coming back from that, man. That stuff lingers. I would Gab- buy that perfume. I'm just saying, fries and gravy perfume, <laughs> I would wear it. <laughs> Gabrielle Marchand is the host of Global News Morning, weekdays 6 until 9 on Global Winnipeg. Gabby, thank you for joining us. Happy Friday, everyone. What Nine. are you wearing? It's poutine. <laughs> oh, de poutine. Oh, de chicken finger. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we have two tickets to give away for Zoo Lights at Assiniboine Park. And we've been asking you this morning at 204-780-6868 to share stories of getting splashed. Yesterday we talked blizzards. Today we're going the opposite direction because we're getting up to 11 degrees on Sunday. We're already thinking about spring. I mean, the normal high for this time of year is minus 4. So 11 degrees, we'll take it. Here's one example story. Good morning. My husband and I went to Walmart. We got there. And where we were walking, as we were walking to the store, there was this huge puddle. And I was being so careful. And there was ice underneath. There was ice underneath. And there I go, slipped, landed on the ground, in the puddle, on my butt. <laughs> so I just laid down and screamed, why me? Well, I had, to get, I had to get back in the car to go home and change. Why me? LOL. Pretty, Have you ever had that good. happen where you're just, you get wet or you fall and you're like, if I lay here long enough, maybe I'll just sink into the ground and nobody will notice, right? You don't even want, you don't even want to, you're like, did anyone see? Maybe nobody saw if I just... What if I just sort of blend in with this puddle for a little bit? It'll be fine. And what's funny, too, about falling is that you're more concerned about people seeing you fall than whether or not you've just suffered a potentially grievous injury. Like, I I remember... Taco Bell story. Uh, it's my turn. You mentioned Chi-Chi's, Greg. I've got Taco Bell. I got off the bus at uh, Regent in Rougeau, and th- th- it was in the middle of a snowstorm on a Friday early evening, and I get off the bus, and I run across Regent, and as I was turning to go towards the restaurant, I slipped uh, on the snow. It was this really light, fluffy snow, and it had coated the sidewalk, and I slipped, and I bounced down on my right side, and I just I bounced back up like a pogo stick because I was a teenager, uh, so I didn't even stop and think about whether or not I hurt myself because there were two girls walking by. 
<laughs> so I, 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 I figured, just get back on your feet and then worry about your injuries later. That Hello, was the appropriate ladies. course of action. <laughs> yes. Of course they laughed at me, but whatever. No, I don't know why. It's people you don't even know, was right? It was strangers. Oh, I just twisted my back. I hope nobody saw that. Yeah. My leg's broken. I'm going to walk it off. Just walk it off. Uh, uh, I don't want anybody to see this one. Uh, Kristen says, when we used to live in St. Boniface in the winter, we would walk the dogs along the Seine River as we were walking past Happy Land park along the river all of a sudden my dog's foot fell through and then my whole leg went down and through it was horrible we scooted off the ice and realized oh no this is what happens when you read a text cold for the first time we realized there was septic coming out there and the ice wasn't stable there should have been signs i'm glad it wasn't too deep my leg was soaked my dog's leg was soaked but we were not far from home though never took that walk again can smell that from here but uh, who is our winner, Greg? Well, my vote was for this text, so you guys are putting it in my hands? Yep. All right, Michelle says this while I was driving east on Marion. Lots of St. Boniface stories here for some reason. Last spring, a semi-truck raced by me on my passenger side. I'm guessing he was in need of a cheap laugh or something as he approached this lake of water beside me. His splash completely covered my car. My windshield view was blocked for a second. The water actually came in my driver's side window, soaking my head, lap, shoulder, and steering wheel. I had to wipe the dirty water water from my eyes i would not have thought this was physically possible but i am living proof that it is oh that is great i just said a couple hours ago that i hadn't even occurred to me about having my window down and brett you had a story demara had a story so michelle sorry laughing at you but sorry well, see, that's the thing. I, I sort of feel like at this point we can all laugh about these stories. Like, if they, <laughs> although that would actually be be interested to see if someone were to share a story, and then we laughed about it on the air, and then they they, were, they followed up saying, "Hey, what are you doing laughing?" Because <laughs> you're covered with dirty water. I have wanted to forever. Do a story for Global where like you go outside and get these images, right? Because you see them all the time while you're driving, and I hope. Uh, camera person Randall Paul is listening because this is who I would assign for this story because he'd get wet and then it would be funny for him. (laughs) No, wait, me laughing at him again. (laughs) Michelle had one of those rolling on the floor laughing emojis embedded in her text. So I wasn't worried about that, but now you've given me pause for thought. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is done for the weekend. She had an appointment that she needed to get to. So Mackling and McGarry shall sally forth with producer Jeff Forte and Master Control, and we wrap the last on-air half hour of our work week with a look west to the western lands, a run back to the bubble in Calgary. There are only two. <laughs> there are only, <laughs> only two. two Manitoba-based teams to cheer for this week. Three Manitoba-born skips are ready for action at the Tim Hortons Briar in the exact same location as the Scotties Tournament of Hearts at Canada Olympic Park. It's going to be another exciting 10 days for one of Canada's favorite sports. And just so good on television, as we discussed earlier this morning, Christian O'Mal was not born in Manitoba, but he is passionate about the game as anyone as I have ever met. He also knows a thing or two about the sport. The host of the 680 CJOB Sports Show joins us now. Good morning, Christian. Good morning, Greg and Brett. Yes, I'm the import on the curling team at CJOB. It's okay. Every team's allowed one, so we're good. Oh, that's a really good point. Talk about how that's allowed now because 
Uh, for years and years, Manitoba was Manitoba. You had to live in Manitoba. And then I guess it was when uh, the Olympic cur- or the Olympic curling came into effect that uh, people started, uh, but what if we want that guy or that gal from that team? What can we do? So they allowed this. What is the rule? So curling free agency is really taken off as you mentioned, Greg, because of the Olympics. And I think way more so in the last decade or so where the Olympics have really become the ultimate goal. You see a lot of people moving around. For a while, the rule was one player on your team could be from out of province. And now they have something called birthright status, whereas you still can have the import, but it's also cool if some of your other players live out of province as long as they're from that province. That's why Rachel Holman gets away with living in uh, Alberta, that's why Jennifer Jones can live in Ontario, and it's still okay, even though, you know, Lisa Weagle and Jocelyn Peterman are from outside of the province. So it's, it's based, some people look at it as the Rachel Homan rule because mm-hmm. they've got a team that's, you know, almost entirely built from people that don't live in Ontario or was for a while. So the rules have loosened up, and I, I, I think it's okay. I personally, it doesn't bother me because you're still trying to, com- you know, complete the, the, journey to fi- figure out who Canada's best team is and have the best representative at the Worlds or the Olympics. It doesn't bug me. It, I know it does bug some, but it's just uh, the way curling's going. They tinker with the format all the time, and that, uh, well, this year, it, it, that that's true too, but for very different reasons. I like the name of that rule, the birthright rule. It is my birthright! <laughs> by decree, by royal decree. And actually, on that note, you know, why don't, before we talk about the briar itself, Christian, uh, the game is over 400 years old, but, you know, we were talking about this earlier today. Was curling simply custom made for television? Uh, I mean, it, it works well on television, doesn't it? Because the, the the fact that you can mic up every player is such a wonderful thing because you in almost any other sport, you don't get to hear everything that they're talking about right it's such an awesome peek behind the curtain and you do get the odd swear that's dropped once in a while after someone swept the stone end to end and they just exasperate out with their breath leaving their body they may have a oh, swear word slips out but that you know we, we get it it's sport but that angle of it is great the the fact that you can now that there's no fans you can have cameras in more ambitious positions as we've seen in other sports but you're right brett curling on tv is fantastic in person it's cool too it's just uh, being there when there's four sheets going at once i can tell you from first person experience it's a lot there's a lot going on by the time the 2019 briar was done in brandon my brain was fried from watching all that curling it don't get me wrong it was awesome to watch curling for a whole week and to cover it for cjob but yeah it's it's great it's a great sport brett that for the next week or so, I will be on my couch watching. And I think you will not be alone. I mean, there won't be anybody else but Sully on your couch with you, but there will be plenty of Canadians uh, joining you on their own couch in front of the television because it is uh, something that only happens once a year, as Loren pointed out, and I think that might be part of the attraction. We can just hunker down and watch it for 10 days, and, and then it's decided, and then we can celebrate or, or bemoan the fact that we, we didn't win the championship. So Manitoba, obviously, in women's curling is... The dominant force. In Manitoba, we've had that reputation for years, not so much lately in terms of winning at the Briar. Who are the Manitoba teams that could eventually win here uh, if things go their way? So we've got the the standard 
Mike McEwen rink, who's been there a number of times now, Reed Carruthers, Derek Zemigalski, and Colin Hodgson, they are wild card number one because all the teams that won their provinces last year are the ones that were chosen to represent the province this year, with the exception of a few out east and up north that were actually able to hold playdowns. Most provinces were not, so that's how they chose the representative. Jason Gunlickson beat Mike McEwen in the Viterra final at Eric Coy last year, so Jason Gunlickson is wearing the Bison again. Adam Casey, Matt Wozniak, and Connor Negevin representing Team Manitoba. They are both in Pool A. They will play each other Monday afternoon, and their pool is loaded. They've got Brad Jacobs in there. They've got Brendan Botcher, who's been to the last three finals in there. Glenn Howard is wild card three. Uh, Steve Laycock with BCs can make shots. But just when you think, oh, pool A, it's loaded, you go to pool B, and there's John Epping, there's Brad Gushu. Kevin Cooey is wild card team two because he was Canada last year, so he had no other way to get in but the wild card two thing. You've got Matt Dunstone, who was the other Manitoba-born skip. He's skipping Team Saskatchewan. They made the medal round last year, and that was a, a, a very big breakout performance for them. So those are, I think you're definitely looking at those four teams coming out of Pool B. I'm not sure there's any other of those teams that will compete for spots. So it's looking pretty clear maybe who the eight teams getting to the championship pool will be but once you get to that championship pool all bets are off we've seen uh just last week with the scotties the action leading up to the championship pool was okay but the championship pool round was awesome and i think that's exactly what we're going to see this week as well in uh, calgary with the briar there was some you know, lamenting about the is lamenting is that the word? Uh, with regard, it is now about the fact that there was no page playoff uh, in the Scotties, and so now the men are doing exactly the same format. Do you like this championship pool format? I, I like the way I think it was Russ Howard who said it's sort of like a golf tournament where you have your cut mm-hmm. uh, on Saturday, and then the best uh, teams and best players are on the on the golf course, or in this case, on the ice for the weekend. Yeah, I. This the only way to do it when you have every province and territory there. And the old way, when you only had eleven or twelve teams, you could get away with just a round robin. But now, when you have so many teams, if you were to have a true round robin and have everybody play everybody once, you'd be there for two weeks, and they don't want to do that. So it's a good way to have a cut down, and then the lack of page playoff. It's just because they added two teams this year. It's the pool, the pools are bigger. You have eighteen instead of sixteen. That's a couple extra draws, and unless they wanted to start the tournament yesterday, they have to do the playoffs like this. So you have this eight-team championship pool. You have some of the best teams in the country. Look at Jennifer Jones, went 9-3 and at the Scotties, lost in a tiebreaker, didn't make the playoffs. So you have to win probably nine games to just to get a sniff of the playoffs. That's a lot. It's a, So there's going to be some really good teams that don't make the playoffs, but in the end we saw – the best teams in women's curling were in the final. It was Rachel Holman against Carrie Anderson. The cream always finds a way to rise to the top, regardless of the format, and that's what we'll see, I think, uh, with the Briar here too. Christian, i got to put you on the spot and ask you a question about something else that came up this morning, Uh-oh. and that was whether or not you prefer watching women's or men's curling. I think Loren said she prefers the women's curling, and uh, I enjoy women's curling a bit more as well. I seem to enjoy, enjoy the game more. It seems a bit more strategic. It's not a knock on the men's game. It's just a personal preference. Uh, do you have a preference, or do you must you remain objective as the host of the sports? 
Rachel. No, no, I don't have to remain objective. I prefer women's curling. It's because the men's curling, they go up. They're so good. They're so precise, and they can throw so much weight. There's just way more blanks in men's curling. They're such good hitters, and that's not a knock on the women, but men, they can generate more power. It's a simple fact, and there's just more hitting, and you'll get, like, four three finals. Whereas you'll watch many matches in the Scotties, it's like nine, nine, ten, eight. There's more. There's more chaos in women's curling, I find, and I love chaos. So, I would say that yeah, I I, I love both. Don't get me wrong, but if I had to choose one, I would choose women's curling. Yeah, it, it's the same sport but a different game. Fair to say? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yes. The, there's so many more. You know, triple run back, crazy. You know, a lot more peels. Because you can make those high precision shots when you've got that kind of weight and control that the men do, and it's amazing. But just from a, a strategic, chaotic point of view, I do like the women's game a little bit more. I remember the days of the one nothing World Championship, oh. the the silver broom, as they used to call it, uh, the Air Canada silver broom. I think it was seventy six or seventy eight. It was in oh, Winnipeg. I remember the day. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure you remember that. <laughs> and I think the final, it was one nothing. <laughs> it was basically yeah, you just try and blank until you get to the tenth end, and then whoever has the oh. last rock, as long as they have their their uh, draw weight, they're gonna win. And that was yeah, really boring to watch. That's why they instituted the free guard zone, and now they've got the five rock rule, right? Because that's that was part of the issue. There's so many blanks, and you know, men are so good at hitting that they put in the five rock rule. And so we, we'll see what kind of stuff that that leads to. But I'm looking forward to to seeing what happens. Does Brad Gushu get his fourth in five years after going so many years without any? He could become one of the the dynasties here with uh, Team Canada. And then you've got just so many other good teams. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, Gushu to win four in five years. I can't even <laughs> believe that. that. No, I just I can't handle because he, he ruined it when he brought uh, what it was was it Russ Howard to the Olympics to the 06? Olympics, and then they yeah. beat Manitoba. Uh, John Mead, if you're listening, buddy, it wasn't all your fault. Nine forty-seven, <laughs> Christian. Thanks for this, buddy. We'll uh, talk to you throughout the week. You're welcome, guys. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.